Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. And everybody who's dressed up in the, the protective equipment and has the IR team, the intensive uh, care team that put the actual um, coils in my spleen, showed up. They're like, well, why are you guys all dressed up with your PPE? Like, what, what's going on? And he said, well, when he was in the elevator going up to get the procedure, we tested him for COVID. And this is COVID. The clots that are happening in his body are from mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. And so that started all, now I've got to go into intensive care, I've got to go into extreme isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody could see me, including my family. Pastor Paul's guest today is Frank Mitchell. Frank is a trauma nurse at the Level 1 Trauma Center at Regents Hospital in St. Paul. Frank has written a book called From the Other Side of the Bed, detailing his experience with nearly dying during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic and where God was during this time. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. I'm so glad you've joined us on Life Support. This is a podcast where we love to tell stories for a reason. Some of the stories we tell are difficult, but we want you to know that Jesus is real, that Jesus leans into hard situations, and that God will never forsake you. And that's one of the reasons we're here, and we hope you're encouraged today. I have a very special guest with me, and his name is Frank Mitchell. He is a uh, a nurse at Regent Hospital. He works in the difficult areas, uh, a trauma nurse, and he's written a book, From the Other Side of the Bed. And Frank, thanks so much for being here. No, very much. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. So this is um, a really interesting time to be talking about these issues, and I love the the subheading, A Trauma's Nurse Personal and Family's Perspective During His Fight for Life While Being Infected with COVID. Yes. So not only were you there to help others, now all of a sudden you're fighting for your life. So tell me about that. How did one thing lead to another? So... It was an odd time for all of us. We were still struggling with it. I caught this uh, virus about September of 2020. Um, we had been working headstrong into it. Uh, we were wearing the, the, the protective equipment, all this other stuff. But for some reason, uh, it made it to me. And what I found myself doing is uh, this, the short, short version of it is that I, I, I had developed a pain in my side, and I thought it was something else, like a kidney stone. Um, I've never had them before, but I know the symptoms. And that's the the, the problem is with your when you're a nurse, you're always trying to yeah. triage yourself and find sure. out what's going on. That's one of our downfalls. But I uh, went to the ER, found out that it wasn't, in fact, a kidney stone, but uh, they couldn't find anything. But they, they gave me enough medicine. What I it's called The medication is called Dilaudid. And I said it just Dilaudid me out of caring. But they didn't find an actual kidney stone and sent me home and said, if things get worse, come back. Um, later on that day, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, something really got worse, and the pain moved to a different spot. It moved over to like the center of my, like the left side, akin to my chest, and went to the back of my back. And um, pe- people who are nurses will know that as being a sign of what they call an aortic dissection. And I'm like, I, I don't want to get into medical stuff with this because I don't. That's not the purpose of the book. But what I thought it was was something extremely serious. And all of a sudden, it got bad where I couldn't talk. It hurt so bad. So I kind of turned to my wife and said, I can't be driven to the hospital, call 911, this is really bad. Um, and this is kind of what the whole purpose of this was to do, is to show 
people started lining up. They became an, a member of my army of support. And like the very first people who walked into that, to our room, were these big medics. And they knew me from Regents. They knew me. They said, Frank, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't talk. Give me two big IVs on these both sides and get me to the ER fast. This is really bad. Um, and when they got to the hospital, even then, I ran into one of the doctors that was uh, a, a, a resident at the time. And he's now the staff doctor of this hospital. And he said, Frank, what are you doing here? I didn't recognize the, I recognized the name, but I didn't think I, it was you. And then he threw me the CT scanner. The CT scanner found out that actually what happened is a, an, an artery in my spleen had ruptured mm. because of, mm -hmm. we, we'll find out later that it was clots. And um, when it ruptured, I was bleeding out on the inside. From, and just from that point forward, all these people just kept getting dropped in my path of uh, the people who stopped the bleeding at that hospital weren't supposed to be there. They, mm -hmm. they just happened to be there that night. So all of this is how this army of support started stepping up. Not by coincidence. This is my, my humble experience. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty... Uh, my, my faith is it's all inside. I don't like coming out. I'm not a very much hands-up kind of Christian, but I'm very strong on the inside mm -hmm. with my Christianity. But it was so much God putting stuff right there where it needed to be, right in line, right when it was supposed to be. Um... The short, short version of the whole purpose of the book, so to say, is while I was moved around, I got put into an intensive care unit. Um, at some point, it's not a good title to have, but I was considered one of the sickest people in, the, in that particular intensive care unit. Um, when I got, let's put it this way, I got out of the life-saving procedure, got down to the room where they were going to check me into the room, and everybody was dressed up in the, the protective equipment. And as the IR team, the intensive uh, care team that put the actual um, coils in my spleen showed up. They're like, well, why are you guys all dressed up with your PPE? Like, what, what's going on? And he said, well, when he was in the elevator going up to get the procedure, we tested him for COVID. And this is COVID. The clots that are happening in his body are from mm -hmm. COVID. Mm -hmm. And so that started all, now i got to go into intensive care. i got to go into extreme isolation. Mm -hmm. um, nobody could see me, including my family. Pastor Paul will return with Frank's story in a moment. And more stories like this and others of trauma can be listened to and viewed at the website lifesupportresources.org. Life Support Resources are a ministry of Five Stone Media, and you'll find stories of hope, healing, and change. Again, the website is lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. Um, so what made this my main motivation to do this was something that happened in the intensive care with them not being able to see me. Um, my wife was only able to talk to me through an iPad, uh, a video connection through the iPad. And one of the things she would do is I would I'd be in a little haze because of medication, because I wasn't breathing very well. Um, I'd look over and I'd see the iPad and her face would be there. And she'd kind of see me roll over and she'd say, hi, hon, how you doing? And she'd stay on that iPad until the power died. Wow. And one of the songs that she would just sing just to me was a song by Lauren Daigle called Rescue. Mm -hmm. um, it still to this day is a hard song for me to tell the lyrics to of somebody who wants to know the story. But the song uh, was apparently written for uh, one of her family members. And it was like, it's, it's perfect, especially for the time of COVID, but it's also time for anybody who's isolated with trauma or crisis. The, the main lyrics, and I'll try and make my way through it, is, is, you know, 
I hear you calling out underneath your breath. I hear you screaming out your SOS. You're not alone. You're not broken. I'm going to send in an army to find you. And I'm convinced that the I in that is not the singer, but God. Yeah. I'm going to send yeah. in that army to help you. The whole purpose of what I want to do as part now as a nurse, but now as a new drive, is to encourage people to step up to be members of that army of support because anybody can do it and nobody feels like they can. They're looking for what perfect words can I give this person who lost somebody, who's sick, who's isolated, who's going through trauma. Uh, that's not important. The words aren't important. The words will come, but the presence mm -hmm. is important. It's I all about presence. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the new way that I think uh, that I'm liking to push this is you want to be there for somebody. You can't. But you can definitely be with somebody, and that's so much more important. Mm -hmm. um, some of the nurses would break protocol as I was in the bed, and there would be lots of times. I mean, I was in the ICU for like 21 days, um, in and out and in and out of the same. As a matter of fact, it was uh, the one of the hospitals was set up strictly for COVID at the time. And some of the nurses would just come in as I was breaking down because I was uh, just so frustrated. I wasn't getting better on my time. And they would sit down as I was like weeping. And they would just put their hand on mine, break that protocol. But they were w there with me. Yeah. And nurses I nurses are amazing. You know, whenever I um, am in the hospital for something, I'm just amazed at the compassion, the professionalism. And um, I can't imagine the toll that this pandemic took on that community. It must just be massive. It was so heartbreaking to be on the other side of the bed, sitting in bed in the ICU, not being able to do anything while I'm reading my phone, seeing text messages saying, I, or on, or on the, the, the media, the, the Facebook of, we just had to, for instance, uh, somebody was dying in one of the trauma rooms. The family members weren't allowed to come in. The only way they could say goodbye was through a speakerphone. And my, my friends, my coworkers, it's my working family, are being devastated and I'm now part of that what I felt was part of that devastating effect now am I going to get somebody sick mm -hmm. you know things like that yeah. but to see them going through that well I can't be what I think I've been called to do right during the pandemic what I trained for right now I'm part of it so and now it, you're now you're taking up the the resources that you want to be giving yes so not only are you trying to get well but you're feeling all these different conflicting emotions and you're watching your colleagues do what you want to be doing. Absolutely. So that's really hard. The The pandemic itself was, was um, something we'll, we'll always be talking about. We don't really understand it, I don't think. We all have different vantage points of it. But I love your story because it focuses in on the reality of it. It focuses in on the sickness part of it rather than the uh, vaccine or no vaccine, mask or no mask, um, conspiracy, no conspiracy, Democrat, Republican. People were sick. Yes. And empathy needs to be shown to not only the people who were sick, but the people who had to take care of them. And it doesn't really help those people if we're just arguing about everything, which we still are. I kind of call that the self-righteous indignation. Like, I know better than you do. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to fight. Yeah. And on the other side of the bed, we don't care. Right. We don't care 
if you're vaccinated, if you're not. And when we come out of the bed, we don't want to get in a fight whether... Now, it's like people ask me now, you've been through this, what's your opinion? I'm like, I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole with you. But what I'll jump down in the rabbit hole with you is how can we come out and support those people? Because there's a lot of loss out there. There's a lot of trauma out there. There's a lot of just emotional things. Then one of the things that probably will come out about COVID later is uh, twofold. Number one, it chased down a lot of nerve problems as well as uh, intravascular problems. But the emotional toll Mm. that it created, like I'm Mm. not an anxious guy. I'm not a depressed guy, but boy, did that make me ride a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My guest is Frank Mitchell. The book is From the Other Side of the Bed, Telling His Story. And yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think it'll take years and years and years for us to really understand the consequences or the the things we're going to be dealing with. But what's clear is that everyone went through some kind of trauma. Yes. Um, Even if uh, a person wasn't sick, even if a person worked at home, there was still a tremendous amount of shifting and changing and uncertainty. I still remember when we uh, we closed the church for, I think, 13 weeks. Um, and, you know, I say that to some pastors, and they look at me like, you sold out, you know. Mm-hmm. But so I was at home, and I remember every day there was a 12 o'clock press conference or something with, with, with Tim Walls. So we watched that whole thing. And then Donald Trump would be doing his about four or five. Watch that whole thing. So that's four hours of yes. of COVID tension. Then you got to get on with your staff and try to see how they're doing. And then you've got to think about your congregation. Like, how am I going to connect with them? And it's just absolutely exhausting. And I think one of the things that's happened is we're all exhausted. Yes. We have not emotionally gotten back to normal and i think it would be silly to think we have don't you yes um i can still remember there was a special i think it was under and andre bocelli uh he was singing one of his songs i think it was ave maria and they were taking video of very different portions of the of the world like world world uh, areas where people would congregate normally and be walking down the streets and everything's vacant and we're listening to him sing. he's got this beautiful voice yeah and it's looking at how people are no longer together. And I remember looking over at my wife, and she's got tears rolling down her face when she was singing this. And she says, this is, how are we going to get back from this? Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do is everybody, if we can just step out of our corners and step up yeah. and step in mm-hmm. and be with each other and stop fighting, we can probably, not even probably, we can move forward and just be us again. Yeah. And not stressed us. How how do we do that? It's kind of it's so. I'm not going to pretend that I I'm, I have a doctorate in <laughs> how to. You have a solve doctorate in living the life. Yes, though. I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> the, the whole thing is just take the breath. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, it, well, I'll t- take it from the spiritual side. Uh, say a prayer of I just want to be with this person. If I need the words, help me get the words. If I need the presence, help me get the presence. And just have the courage to come up because that person that's going through the trauma, that's going through the crisis, needs somebody else there. There's a wonderful picture that I think I, uh, I just put it up on Facebook the other day. There's a, I did this way back when that said, you and what army? And there's a drawing of the world with like, uh, it looks like a whole stadium full of angels just kind of looking down. I, I just put this back up the other day, and I said, who, who, you and what army? And I said, my army. Because mm-hmm. I know 
with everybody that came up to me. I mean, there's the people that stepped up to the plate were amazing. Um, I had people bringing food to the door of my house. Uh, I had people who I didn't even know praying for me. When I come into work, I had people who would say, you know, I don't normally pray for people, but man, I prayed for you. Mm. Um, <laughs> my brother's uh, tattoo artist uh, even stepped up and, and helped out. I mean, it's it just all these people just all of a sudden came up. Well, that speaks well of you, too, because <clears throat> you obviously had made an impression on them and they cared about you. And uh, they wouldn't have if you would have been um, not that kind of person. But you are a believer. And you you find yourself having to navigate all these waters as a believer with your colleagues, both on one side of the bed and the other, so to speak. How did your faith come into play through this trauma you went through and, and the sickness that you're still, to this very day, are still struggling with? So I'm not good at quoting Bible and verse, but I know stories. When, when I hear stuff, it locks. Um, and if you could bear with some of the gaps I'll have there's a little bit of this I still have a little bit of the the, the fog so it's to okay speak. I have fog all the time yeah. <laughs> I always have my wife will tell you that so I'm always, good so you just go ahead and take your time I always say getting younger sucks yeah. um, <laughs> so the one thing that drove me and and pulled me through this is I would be in that bed so um I don't want to get overly medical with this but when that artery burst. Um, they didn't have to cut me open to fix it. They went into the arteries and shut it from the inside out. Small little incision, uh, similar to what they do to fix a heart uh, when there's a, a heart attack going on. Um, so this one, except for this one, they weren't opening the artery, they were shutting it. But while it was open, uh, I had blood accumulating in my belly. The CT results said massive intra-abdominal bleeding. Mm. Um, they didn't evacuate that blood. It stayed there. So as I was in the intensive care unit, um, I have all this blood in there, and any time I would move, it would hurt. Yeah. Any time I would breathe, it would hurt. Um, I developed something uh, in the little thing that sticks down in the back of your throat. It's called the uvula. That got swollen, so it would get stuck forward. So I'd gag, and I'm trying to do that while I'm getting oxygen, and all these things are happening. And just like, if I could say it was spiritual warfare, it felt 100% mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. I felt like alone, empty, gone, what's going to happen next. And there's that story of how uh, the Israelites were trying to get a castle. I can't remember the name of the castle, but they were, as they were trying to figure out what to do, they were marching around the castle. And the one phrase that I remember distinctly was, when I don't know what to do, I put my eyes on you. Mm -hmm. And there were so many times when I couldn't sleep, I would roll over in bed and I'd kind of look up from the pillow up just to the wall, trying to look up. And I'd say, I don't know what to do. I'm looking to you. I, I don't know what to do. And at that time, things would just start popping up. Yeah. But in some ways, I think that's where God wants us to be. I tell people after after we lost our son, um, I couldn't pray for about a year. I couldn't form any words. I couldn't, I couldn't relate to God. Um, I loved him. I knew he was there, but I couldn't really, I didn't know what to say. Right. So I would. Um, it's a feeling of abandonment, it, almost. Yeah, yeah, and I and I would tell people, but you know, God, God does, isn't concerned about the actual words uh, I'm trying to form. Right. Um, God's big enough to circle in and and fill that gap, and I really felt that. And Jesus would emerge at different times, um, and when I finally got my, you know, the, the strength started coming back, and my mind started to clear up, um, I, I will often recount how. The, my prayer life was different then because I didn't feel a pressure to 
go through the long list and have to say everything I want to say because I had learned that God is there with me and listening and caring about my heart. And it's like where you were. It's uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't say anything. I just need help. Yes. But I think that's when God responds. Well, exactly. You do need help, right? Because right. <laughs> sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we need we need that kind of help. I, I tell you the biggest change that I think I felt. I've been a very spiritual person. I think I told you in the beginning that I, I'm kind of an internal, not hands up. I'm finding myself on the bedside now because I'm still practicing. Um, somebody who's crushed, lost, broken, um, tearful. Whenever I sit down, I always sit down to the patient. And the first thing I'll say is. I like to look at people before charts, what's going on, and try and navigate my way through the defenses there and just see if I can get to know the person a little bit. And then at the end, there's a lot of people I've been praying for. I mean, like, who am I to pray for somebody? I'm me. Yeah. That's the same thing with stepping in. Yep. And one of the biggest things that impacted me on that level of change, of transformation, was one of the nights I was home uh, – I think it was about six months after that. I, I lost tons of weight. I was still sick, really weak. Um, I developed another a bleed uh, in my in my uh, intestinal tract. Dropped my hemoglobin about two thirds of what it's supposed to be. Super pale, super weak, and I was trying to sleep. And I remember this clear as day. I'm trying to sleep, and all of a sudden, this thought like screamed through my head. And the thought was very crisp. It was clear, and it wasn't a voice, but it wasn't me. And the voice said, okay, Mr. Trauma Nurse, Mr. Medical Person, you're weak, you're losing weight, you're not getting better, this isn't COVID, this is cancer. And then this big voice dropped a, like a, a, a sound bomb and said, give up. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when I, I don't ever give up. That's not what I do. But at that time that the give up came in, I felt myself like sinking into the bed. And yeah. I, I sat up in bed and I talked to, I put my hand on Rachel, I said, Rachel, this is just what happened. And she said, okay, enough of this. Sat straight up, got on her knees, put her hand on my chest, and just said this huge prayer to make it stop. And I've never heard that again. Well, how about that? You know, well, you look at someone like Job, his, I mean, part of that spiritual warfare was physical. Yes. I mean, the man was sick. Yes. Uh, sick of heart and sick of body. And um, I think that that's a whole other theological discussion we could have. But before we get into that, you need to tell me about the book from the other side of the bed. Tell me, number one, why you wrote it, and number two, how do we get a copy of it? Okay. The book was motivated and, and inspired by, um, I, after I got out, I wanted to go right up to my ICU and talk to the nurses there and say, look, you might not have helped me, but you've helped a lot of people like me. And look, everybody that you touch with this doesn't die, and how important it is what you do. And I told them a little bit of what I went through. And at the end of the speech, every single ICU I spoke to would say, you should write a book. Mm. And like, <laughs> the books I've been doing for the last few years have all been medical. Yeah, right, <laughs> so yeah. I'm just reading and reading yeah. and reading, reading. That's the only thing I read. And I'm like, who am I to write a book? But it kept coming up. And so I'm like, okay, let's give this a shot. But I wanted to make it so we got multiple points of view. So uh, like the first chapter is what I went through. The second chapter is what my wife went through during the period of time of that first chapter. And we flip-flop that throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a section in there where my kids jumped in. I have a, a 21 and a 19-year-old right now. And they got to write what they went through during this. And the whole purpose of it is to say it's it's a family group to get together, even though we were isolated. Um, so that's the whole thing is that based on that song that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, it's all step in, step up, step together. 
and you all can make it through this. Um, it's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble, uh, Kindle, iBooks, G-Books. Um, uh, Walmart has it. Um, yeah, people are selling it on eBay now. I found a copy of it out in Australia. Is that right? Like, huh? <laughs> How did it get me? there? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's very humbling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you did it. It's called From the Other Side of the Bed. Frank Mitchell is the author. Frank, thanks for telling your story. It means a lot. Thank you and, so much uh, for having me. And we just want you to keep getting better. Thank you. So thanks for sharing. Thank you. You know, I don't know what you're going through. And, you know, you heard Frank's story, and there are people going through so many different kinds of trauma. Um, but stepping up is a really good way to put it. You know, you don't have to be the one that has the answers because God has the answers. But you can be one who just says, hey, I'm with you. Uh, you can send a card in the mail. Uh, in church, you can just walk by somebody and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. Um, in Galatians 6, 9, the Bible says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So easy to give up. Uh, the world's crazy. Everything's upside down. Uh, people aren't acting like you want them to act. Our culture seems to be um, diving quickly. But don't give up. Uh, you have a place. You have a reason for being here. God is still using you. And you can have a huge influence. Just walk with God and let him steer you. I'm so glad we had this talk, and I'm glad that um, our sponsors have made this possible. I thank Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com. Five Stone Media is where you can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. You can check us out here at Ridgewood Church at MyRWC.org, and I'll see you on Twitter at Pastor Paul J. And thank you so much for listening to Life Support. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support